Hi, I'm Anja. And I'm Javor. And today we're joined by Don van Ravenswey, the lecturer of the introductory statistics course. He's going to talk to us about the first year statistics courses, how to get through them, and why you like statistics, but you just don't know about it yet. You teach the first-year statistics course. Um, what does the course roughly consist of? So, well, there are Statistics 1A and Statistics 1B. Um, statistics 1A, we would call that descriptive statistics, and that um, has everything to do with how do we how do we summarize our data or how do we re-describe our data. So, say we have um, 100 people that did an, an intelligence test And at the end of the day, we have 100 numbers that come out of that. But if you just look at a piece of paper with 100 numbers in, in like a large column, it's very difficult to make heads or tails out of that. And in, in Statistics 1A, we, we learn how to summarize that into something called a mean, which tells us where what, 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 what the average is, right? Where, where these numbers sort of generally hang around. And, and something called the standard deviation, which tells us something about the spread in the data. For instance, um, if I grab 100 yardsticks out of a shop, they'll all be approximately, well, they are, um, but 100 10-year-old boys, if I measure their height, then um, there'll be a lot more variation, even though both of them may on average be a yard uh, high. There's just more more variation in the in the 10-year-old boys than there is in the yardsticks. And th this is an important component of the data when we try to summarize it. We also work with um, graphically summarizing the data, just ways of visualizing what it is that we see in this data so that we get a better sense of how the, the group as a whole uh, performed on this intelligence test. So that's 1A. And then 1B, we go one step further. Um, we say, all right, so now we have this data, and now we want to draw some sort of conclusion about this data. So we want to say, um, well, we've got 110-year-old boys and we've got 109-year-old boys. Um, are these 10-year-olds, are they taller than the 9-year-olds? I mean, you may think this is a silly question because we already know that they are. That's true, but it's also an example. And um, it's, it's the, the crucial part here is to get a sense of... Um, Are these groups really different? Because they're going to be different, right? If you grab 110-year-olds and 109-year-olds, the average height is unlikely to be exactly the same. So they'll be different. But what we really want to want to figure out here um, with using statistics is, is that difference due to chance? Or is it due to the fact that these, these two collections, these two samples, if you will, of 110-year-olds and 9-year-olds come from a different underlying population? And the process of figuring that out is called inferential statistics, and that's what we do in Statistics 1B. Okay. Um, a lot of prospective students um, are afraid of statistics because they fear that it will involve a lot of mathematics. What can you say about that? Well, it's true that there is uh, math involved. I've seen this happen to so many students. Um, students that come into a course and come up to me and say, yeah, I'm really not good at math, or I really don't like math. Um, but more often than not, that is simply because they haven't been taught to think about it in the right way. For instance, one thing that's absolutely killing 
is um, a high school teacher that says, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, and this is the equation. Yeah, but you don't really need to know. Um, because what that fosters is like, oh, well, that must be really difficult then. I don't need to know. Uh, and sort of like mentally shut off for it. And then every time after that you see an equation, well, it's going to bring up that response of like, oh, that's too difficult to understand. To the point where if you show the equation of, um, of a mean, the, the mean of a certain group of data, people will shut down, even though I know that almost everyone knows how to calculate a mean, right? This is simply a learned response. And I've seen so many students, when, I, when, when you go systematically through an equation, part by part, it's like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, I know what that is. Oh, I know what that is. Oh, hey, we're done. All of a sudden, I understand this thing. And it's, people are a lot better at math than they think they are. And I also think that people that are self-proclaimed not good at math think that people that are good at math were born that way where a lot of that, even for the people that are good at it, is just practice and, and doing this a lot. And, and a lot of students that I've seen, and that's very gratifying, when they have practiced it a lot, all of a sudden it's like, you know what, maybe I am good at math. And I think that's, that's the way it is. So yes, there is math, but I don't think that has to be a bad thing. I also think that a lot of people underestimate um, how much statistics there is in, in everyday life. So... Um, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll give you a perhaps somewhat embarrassing example of something I did. Uh, the very first statistics lecture I ever did um, for a group of third-year students in Newcastle was uh, I had been thinking about uh, a nice example to show to them how uh, statistics applies in everyday life. And I took a very stupid example, I think, now. I don't think I would do it like that again. But what I did was um, imagine you're sitting in a bar with a friend and um, you're a student and you are having a bit of an argument with this friend over who is uh, better at picking up a debt. And, uh, well, you have a, you both had a, a lot of beer and you're both getting a bit boisterous about it. And uh, at a certain point, uh, you decide, well, why don't we do an experiment? Right? This is also my into bringing the idea of doing an experiment to settle a, a dispute of any kind. And the, the experiment is called Project Phone Number. So the idea is that, that both your friend and you, in a week, go out to bars and talk to 50 people and ask them for their phone number. And your friend agrees with this plan, so you both do this. Project Phone Number is put into effect. And, and, a, and a success is one in which you do get the phone number. And a fail is one in which you get, I don't know, a glass of drink in your face or something else. You don't get the phone number. So then at the end of this week, you, um, um, you and your friend reconvene and you tally up the results. And well, as it turns out, of the 50 people you've inquired, you've got 30 phone numbers and your friend got 25. To which you claim, ha, see, I am better at picking up a date than you are. But your friend goes, well, not so much. So, I mean... The day I was going out, it was raining outside, so people were not very conducive. And also, I feel like the people you talk to, you kind of knew them already. This is due to chance. This is where I then stop my example and say, this is where statistics comes in. Because this, without statistics, is where the, the debate just stops. You can't settle this. But using statistics, we can figure out if this result is due to chance or... Uh, due to an underlying innate difference in the ability to pick up a date. Now, I thought, 
in abstract that this was a really good example and a way to sort of, I thought this was on the level of what some students at least are thinking. But the somewhat unintended side effect was that I think the students thought I was a bit of a player after I'd given <laughs> this example. <laughs> I learned to, uh, to use a, a more neutral example uh-huh. <laughs> in later, uh, later lectures. But yeah, um, I do think the, the example showcases that statistics is applicable in these like very real scenarios that you come. Maybe this is more of a masculine than a than a female oriented example, but stuff like this happens, right? We we are aware of, of, of disputes like this, where you sort of would like to settle something, but you don't quite have the numbers to back it up. And using statistics for this one, you should probably do a chi square test. It's quite simple to actually resolve these kinds of things, and people want to resolve these kinds of things. And then once you see see how how often you can apply these things. I think it's quite easy to turn from someone who hates statistics into a geek, <laughs> which I proudly call myself. So do you have any last tips for uh, students who start statistics to like it or maybe even to get through the course? Tips to pass would, would revolve around just doing heaps of practice. I, I think the most common pitfall is for students to think, well, see, but I have attended all the lectures, mm-hmm. so... So that should be enough to pass me, right? And that's certainly not the case. I mean, it certainly helps to go to the lectures. It's better than not going. But without doing the exercises, and probably the same exercise over and over and over again, don't just um, calculate one correlation, for instance, and then like, okay, I've mastered this. Um, that's probably not the best way to think about it. Uh, it's it's important to, uh, well, to do your math or do your homework. Um, but I think even more important at least the way I teach statistics, is to try and not become, um, what are these called, like a data monkey. Uh, (laughs) Try to not just do a certain trick over and over and over again. Try to make sure that you understand what it is that you're actually doing when you calculate a z-score, for instance. That's something that both in Statistics 1A and Statistics 1B you'll be doing a lot. And... It's much more important that you understand what, what it is you're actually doing than that you get get a certain number out of it at the end. I've spent quite a bit of time in my lectures on power um, because a lot of students, I think, have trouble with the fact that, that power is something that happens on a fundamentally different level from a significance test, where a significance test is something you do when you already have the data, and a power calculation is something you do before you collect the data. And just that, that conceptual distinction is one that I find um, if you just focus on how to apply the procedure, you might lo- lose that much more important theoretical distinction, which I think makes is going to help more in the long run. Um, and then the other one is uh, uh, the classic, do I use the value from table A or do I use 1 minus the value of table A or 1 minus the value of table A times 2 or blah, 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 which is also something that um, not knowing which of them to use will happen quite easily if you don't really know what you're doing and just work with the numbers. But once you get a sense of... I always I always advise students to draw their distributions and sort of like have on a piece of paper where the hypothesized no value is and where the the sample value is and then you can quite easily often well quite easily I shouldn't say that but then you can with a bit of effort see 
which of these you should you should need. So make it make it graphical. I think making things graphical is a good good advice. Yes, let's go. Okay. John, thank you for talking to us. It was a pleasure. It was uh, it was fun. I'm curious uh, <laughs> to see what's going to come. This podcast was a production of Mindwise for the Department of Psychology at the University of Cronia. 